Welcome back, Flight Suit Friday podcast listeners. Great to have you here. I'm your host, Sam Haffensteiner. Just me today. Everybody else left me. So uh, just be ready for lots of mistakes on my end. We've got a great discussion out here, another Ahars Fireside Chat. Update on the weather. It is beautiful and sunny in uh, 40-degree rain. Yesterday, we lost power here at the hotel. Huge ice storm blew through. And tomorrow, we're looking forward to some 20-foot seas out in Klatsa. Uh, so today, we've got a couple of big names here out at Ahars, our school chief and uh, the senior 60 uh, instructor and one of our senior uh, rescue swimmer instructors. So we'll be just talking about the how the courses run, what we do out here, what high-risk training is, and I uh, hope you enjoy. This episode, in fact, is brought to you by 100 mile per hour tape, that all around 100% keep your 65 together and flying adhesive. Have a little water coming in through the window seals during a mild Cat 3 hurricane? Never fear. Tape those leaks up with 100 mile per hour tape. Guaranteed to stop that steady and comforting drip onto your center console that causes that exciting light show on your flight director panel. Does your flight mech stick their head out of the cabin in the middle of a rainstorm on that tough DIW and come back squeaking that lovely ICS sound? Shore up that ICS connection before you go out with this all-purpose tape. It's guaranteed to keep you flying until 2035 or later. Under mile per hour tape. Order through your local SK shop today. All right, folks, let's get started. All right, gents, great to have you here. Uh, let's go around the room first. I got uh, Chad Smolar sitting over here. Uh, say hi for us, Chad. Hey, what's going on? Hey, not much. Great to have you here. We got, uh, he's our AST1, one of our rescue swimmer instructors. We got our school chief, AMTC, Chris Walker. Can you say hello? Hello, everybody. Chris, awesome to have you. And sitting to my right, the, the one and only, well-known PJ, Paul Johansson, Lieutenant Woo! Commander, 60 pilot extraordinaire. How you doing, PJ? I, I think I'm well. You think you're well? That's good to hear, man. There's a lot of pressure coming on this. You know, you guys are making me nervous. It's the first time I've had only 60 people in the room, and, and I'm a lonely 65 pilot here. So we're going to see how it goes. We'll, we'll, be nice yeah. no, uh, we'll be nice to you. We'll be nice. It's all part of the takeover. We'll only make fun of you guys just a little bit. 100 uh, mile hour tape does a great job of keeping all the fuel in our aircraft. Yeah, oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. it does. Is that a big, yeah, big 60 thing? Yeah. Uh, hey, Chris, let's start with you. Uh, why don't you just give us a quick uh, snapshot on your career, your role here out at AHARS, where you've been stationed, that kind of good stuff. Yeah. I, uh, I'm from Illinois. It's a, it's a little podunk, uh, state in the middle of the country. I came into the Coast Guard on September 11th, 2001. So I'm coming up on 20 years. I got stationed on a 87 foot cutter out of boot camp. Nice. Struck DC, switched rates. And uh, swapped over to the, the uh, dark side aviation, went to AMTA school, went back to Mobile against my will, but uh, it was great. I was a, uh, I was part of Katrina, uh, had a couple star cases while I was in Mobile and then went to Clearwater. Mm-hmm. I was in Clearwater for four years, crushed some outbat trips. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. And then went to Sitka and it was in Sitka for a couple years. It was awesome, man. Went to San Diego, made chief. And then left, came to the uh, the 60 stand chief job. Been, and been just about everywhere, it sounds like. Yeah, now I'm about to make warrant. Congratulations. Here in, here in four months. It's going to be yeah. sweet. Mr. Walker over here. Yeah, warrant officer select. What up? Don't mess that up tonight. Yeah, roger that, <laughs> sir. Uh, and I'm sure I'm probably going to headquarters or something, right? Headquarters or ALC. Yeah, I'm sure. Probably commandant. Yeah. Pay the penance there. Yeah. What, what do you? Uh, what beverage are you sipping on over there? I am uh, sipping on a some sort of tequila that PJ gave me. Oh, that's the rock, bro. Yeah, yeah, it's Terramana. It's a people's tequila. Dwayne, yeah. people's tequila, Dwayne the Rock man. Johnson. Yeah, tequila for the people. Yeah. It's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some soda water. Yeah, it's delicious. Awesome. Well, welcome. Thanks, man. Great having you here. Yeah. How about Pump. you, Chad? Uh, let's see. Grew up, born in Indiana. We got some Midwestern uh, boys what, here. What? Played a little bit on Lake Michigan, but outside of that, didn't see much water. Um, went to Purdue University out of high school, spent a couple years there, got bored being in class, um, joined the Coast Guard in late 2001, mm-hmm. went to Kodiak, Alaska, 
spent two and a half years the first time on the Alex Haley. Ooh. It's a 283-foot cutter. Is that the queen of the fleet? Is she the oldest one? Uh, I don't believe so. She might be by now. It, the Storis was back then, but yeah. she's decommed. So um, it was a uh, a an aircraft carrier, basically towboat, mm-hmm. um, as the USS Edenton in the Navy prior to. So she's she's old. Um, went to the Airman program the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, the PT was was good. Uh, being in a summer shop was good. Uh, the outside outside of work life caught up with me. Mm-hmm. Had a bit of a hiccup. Mm-hmm. Went back to Haley for another year and a half. Nice. And uh, finally made it to A school in 2006. Graduated A school May 5th of 2006 as one of two. Uh, went back to Kodiak for a tour as a swimmer. And then did four years in Clearwater. Taught Chris Walker everything he knows about being a flight mechanic. <laughs> True that. Five years in Cape Cod. And then um, I'm working on my, it'll be my fifth year at uh, Mobile in the RS10 office. Awesome. What are you sipping on over there? Uh, Rogue, Newport Nights. Ooh. Haven't had it before. Had a speedboat on the front. Figured I'd buy it. I like it. Yeah. That's great. Delicious. And uh, last but not least, PJ. Yeah, so I enlisted in the Coast Guard and graduated boot camp. Coast Guard's birthday, 2000. Heck yeah. And uh, was it MSO in Charleston, then 87? That's a Marine safety office. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. gone. They're mm-hmm. long gone. Folks. Uh, I did 87 in uh, Tybee Island, Georgia, mm-hmm. which I'm from Savannah, so that's my hometown. It was a dangerous time for me. That's a good spot to be. Yeah. 87 foot is actually still considered a cutter. It is. We have a cook. Um <laughs> Was there on nine eleven, and then uh, went up to the MSST in New York. Was planking over there. I was a bosun mate, and uh, and then went to Station Georgetown, South Carolina. Got picked up for OCS flight school, Elizabeth City, Kodiak, and four years on stand team. Just got my extension for number five. Going for five. Big fan of Mobile, huh? John Club. Big fan of teaching ARs. How about yeah, that? that's yeah, a. <laughs> I like that a lot. What are you sipping on over there? Uh, this is the People's Tequila. Uh-huh. Made by Dwayne The Rocks Johnson. Mixing drinks. I'm, uh, what do I got over here? Full Sail Brewery. I think that's out in uh, Columbia River Gorge. Yep. Uh, Haze of the Gods. It's a good one. Double IPA. Really mm. like it. Any listeners out there, I highly. Yeah, like nine, uh, 9.2? Uh, yeah, that? who knows? We'll find out at the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want to wake up well, you should probably be drinking clear, clear uh, tequila and soda water. But if you want to wake up like Sam, yeah, drink uh, the beer. I mean, it's the Northwest. I got to drink as many IPAs as I can. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's dive into it. Uh, what? I'll, I'll go start with you, Chris. What is AHARS? What do we do out here? Advance, man. I think uh, the cool thing about what we do out here is that our, uh, our training limits are much uh, more lenient with, uh, you know, with regards to the, the weather, the, the seas, than your average unit. There's some units out there doing some surf training and doing some vert training, but uh, most units probably don't have 30 knot uh, wind limits mm-hmm. on the cliff. And then, you know, 40 knot general wind limits uh, while we're flying out here. And then the sea conditions as well. You know, our seas are, our limits are 20 foot rollers and, and 15 and eight foot uh, for eight, 15 for spilling and eight for plunging your average unit doesn't have that. So yeah, the units that have awesome, robust training programs, uh, they just, they don't have the, the, the uh, permissible weather limits that we have. So you say it's an opportunity for people to get out into some stuff they don't get to see, get out to some heavy seas hoisting, some vert surface hoisting. Do we have anything else going on out here now? This yeah, year? yeah. Also, we're, uh, we're doing Urban SAR now. That's new to this session. We're doing uh, some canopy hoisting from high altitudes using the aircraft to open up open up tree canopies and uh, with the rotor wash and then we're also doing window extractions at Camp Rylea um, it's a, uh, a National Guard base we have here and nice yeah the that's awesome Urban Star piece is new Survival Day is uh, a thing of the past for you previous AHARS graduates we haven't been doing a, uh, any Survival Day stuff so 
Urban Star is awesome, man, and we've got some really good feedback from the students lately. Uh, that's great to hear. Yeah. And and uh, well, I guess for you, Chad, this is an interesting spot too because you guys use uh, uh, skis out here too, right? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. What what are we using those for? So we uh, um, let's see. It, I mean, it's it, it was on and off uh, when Ahars first came to, to fruition, mm-hmm. um, but we we finally locked onto a good certification program to uh, get wa- rescue watercraft trained. Mm-hmm. And big seas, big surf train on the skis, and uh, we've become pretty much the primary asset in the event that uh, the worst of the worst happens yeah. out here, or or the least of the worst. You yeah, know, to have a helo pop a cable, it's nice to have a quick, fast boom in and out. Yeah, and uh, that's yeah. what we're there for. Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, I I've certainly used them uh, when, when I'm out here, and it's a nice, warm and fuzzy. Plus, you get an aircraft that brakes in the chocks too right and we can continue training 100 percent. yeah because yeah. we get it as a cover asset and watching chad get airborne is well, awesome i've never yeah. done that ever y- oh, you know you it, think they're you think they're just out there messing around yeah uh, having parted a cable there's nothing better than having the skis out here for sure yeah yeah you got a you got a story about that i i uh i think i'm the lone 60 range right now that's here that's parted a cable at peacock yep. and uh i'm pretty sure chad was out that day and uh Alima and Rob, and uh, we've gotten Peacock and taking taking breakers off the nose. And uh, Peacock's pretty interesting because uh, the way the the shelf falls off there with the ebb tide, you'll get uh, waves moving in a different direction. And we started getting breaks left or right, and we had a good canary off the right side. So we that's not a good place to combat a left or right break. And yeah, uh, not at all. Yeah, found ourselves. I uh, missed it out in the. In the uh, cockpit couldn't see anything as that wave broke under us i saw it was showing its teeth i knew it was gonna be a good one and i felt a little bump in my seat and i was like we just parted the cable and these guys <laughs> who you know you think are always messing around but they were they had the swimmers on the board and in, in 10 seconds it was incredible and got them out of a you know 14 16 foot breakers it was incredible like real quick yeah and uh Shout out to the uh, 65 guys, man. They came out and hoisted the swimmers up after they were, you know, obviously getting a little bit of gas, which we don't do out here. But, yeah, it was great. That's awesome. I mean, I guess that just kind of culminates in why we call this high-risk training. So this uh, this is the only aviation high-risk training school that we have, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. For good reason. I mean, parting cables, putting people in situations that they don't normally get to see, for sure. How do you mitigate those kind of risks? You know, you're going out and you're you're hoisting in those 15 footers, and you might part a cable. Yeah, I think our you know the training that we do in the classroom is outstanding, um, and then just those flight briefs, right? So we've you know we've been out here doing this for a while, and just talking each crew position. This is a total crew course for sure, and that's the best thing about AHARS is to me is guys learning everybody's position, but um, you know just. We, you know, nobody walks out. There's nobody should walk out to the aircraft with any doubt on what we're going to do and how we're going to attack these scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what we do really well in through our briefs and in how we engage these guys. Yeah, get those lectures going in the morning too. Yeah, each day. Um, I think it's such valuable training, especially being out here as an instructor, but doing it as a student too. And uh, the only people that we have it as a requirement for are rescue swimmers. So. For you, Chad, I mean, why do you think that this course is important for swimmers uh, to come to every uh, couple of cycles? You know, I think um, I think when you sit and you look at this program, the the draw to it is the big waves. It's the Columbia Bar. It's the terrible weather. It's the big cliff. Um, it's the lectures. It's the experience of the instructors. But I think when it comes down to it, and you know, as far as trying to to justify flight mix and and pilots getting on board with that requirement is the fact that these guys come out here for five days mm-hmm. and they do nothing but operate. Yeah. They don't have to worry about their collaterals. They don't have to worry about supply, ACMS, um, you know, towing a plane out of a, a hangar, you know, any of that stuff. There's nothing, everything's focused on I'm hoisted in heavy seas, I'm hoisted in surf, um, learning cave, and I'm hoisting to the cliff. Yeah. And and now urban SAR and inland, uh, you know, that's becoming more and more prevalent as we've moved on and at least, you know, in the time period of my career. Um, and I, I think to be able to sit back and justify that we get air crews out here to do nothing but just operate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, the other services, their, their squadrons and all that stuff, like before they 
they have pre-deployment, you know, it's 30, 45, 60 days. They're, they're doing nothing but training for what they're going to do. And, um, I think it also affords some of the guys that are more senior and more salty and, and kind of tipping toward the side of the end of their career, a, a little bit of a, a jolt of a gener- of dr- adrenaline. Yeah. We, we become E6s and E7s. We get stuffed in maintenance control or we get stuffed doing more personnel type crap. And um, you get to come out here and remember what you came in to do. Yeah. And it was, it was have fun with the boys, take part in the community get into the heavy season surf. And for some of these older guys, it's a, it's a good jolt, you know, yeah. to get them through that last four years until retirement or until promotion. So yeah, let's focus on your profession 100%. kind of thing. Yeah. What about from a flight mech perspective, Chris, for this training? Yeah. It, you, we could talk about timing waves and wave anticipation and, and uh, pilot responsibilities and swimmer responsibility. You can talk about that all day long, but until you come out here and you get to actually see it, and experience it and study it, it it's just not the same you know mm-hmm. here we obsess over what the other positions are doing we talk about it nonstop, and you know i'm a master training specialist this is force com qual for you guys that don't know who it is but don't know what it is but from a cur- curriculum design standpoint we typically don't care what the other positions are doing it's all about the curriculum is always developed and designed to to focus on your qual and your experience and your knowledge and performance based requirements. Mm-hmm. But out here we all know, and, and student feedback proves that one of the greatest things is that is the, uh, you know, just us learning each other's positions, man. It's, yeah. it's awesome. For and a I flight mean, mechanic to learn everything there is to know about what the swimmer does and what the pilots do to at, continue to toot, you know, our horns, you know, you, you sit and you look at some of the bigger naval operations manuals for aviation and, and even the Air Force. Um, a lot of their training programs, prerequisite now is advanced helicopter rescue school. They have to have someone who has been through this school and who has graduated before they can stand a program up like that. So, yeah. Um, I think uh, I think that tells us a lot. Like we're, we're doing big things out here and and it'll continue to move forward and hopefully expand and, and we'll get the buy-in that we need to, to make it better every time we come out. Yeah. How do you find the, uh, the Navy swimmers do when they come out here? Are they, they ter- <laughs> terrified by the big wave? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's like a mixed bag. I mean, you get some guys who, when they show up, they've told you that they've been training for three months, knowing that they were coming just for the PT test that we do, uh, for them to be allowed to, to proceed forward through the course and do mm-hmm. the surf swim and stuff. And, and, uh, you get some guys who, Maybe they're prepared for that side of it, but you know they walk up on that berm and you can hear the breaking waves when you're coming up from the parking lot and you, you clear and get a visual of Fort Stevens Beach and and you see it, you know, yeah. even from the skis you can tell like oof, little blood drains from your face, you know. And and we we partner them partner them up with our boys the best we can, but at the bottom line, the bottom line is the ocean wins every time, and uh, no matter what we do they're, they're going to find out what they've got, what they're, where their bar set. And, yeah. uh, once they finally get comfortable, usually through day one, day two, those guys specifically, I mean, they're, they're the ones that are freaking the most amped. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I play, uh, play hockey back in Pensacola and one of my teammates is a, a Navy rescue swimmer. He teaches at the school there and, uh, got into a conversation with him and he actually came out here and he said it was the best training that he had been to in the military. Yeah. Um, from his perspective as a swimmer which is, which is awesome. I was out here one time with actually Lieutenant Commander Johansson over there and we had a, uh, a hoist failure. Well, it was really a runaway hoist into a hoist failure. And we had a Navy swimmer in the back. It was during a vert, vert hoist and the Navy swimmer over ICS chimes in without being prompted, says circuit breakers checked. Like the guy knew hoisting stuff, man. It was awesome. Yeah. So they're, you know, they were, they were both hats. Actually, they were a few hats. Yeah. Right. They're systems operators, they're hoist operators, and they're a collateral duty rescue swimmer. That yeah. was cool. That's cool that's awesome. Yeah, dude. What about from a pilot perspective, PJ? The uh, value or or what what do you get out of this course when you come out? He gets to work with swimmers every day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean that. It. Well, Chad's right. Right. I mean, this is a crew course, right? So seeing what the swimmers have to deal with in the surf and and what and the biggest thing, right, is the flight mechanics. Um, they don't want putting those guys in the water. That's a uh, you know, making this a course that is 
available to all crew positions um, through policy is our goal, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, the swimmers, I mean, they rely on us to get them in and out safely. That's a big deal. And uh, the fact that we're not there yet, it's not the best mm-hmm. for us as a service, but we're, I mean, I think we're moving there. Yeah. Uh, we got a good, good plan in place. We got the best leadership we could ask for to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pilot from a pilot perspective, um, you're going to fly the aircraft like you've never flown it before. You're going to see things you've never seen before. Um, and the stories that we get told from classes, I mean, the best thing is these swimmers do get to come here, right? So there, I, I can't tell how many ASHAR sessions I've taught where a pilot or a flight mech has spoken specifically to an AHARS an AHAR graduate swimmer in the back, coaching them through what they've learned mm-hmm. before they get on scene to a case where they're going to be hoisting in heavy seas. And um, that's, a, I mean, that's a great. That CRM is awesome. Yeah. But giving people the opportunity to be here is is what we need to, we, we need to create that avenue for sure. Yeah. yeah. And it, didn't uh, uh, Sector Columbia River Air Station Astoria, didn't they just have a case this weekend? They did. They did, yeah. Yeah. In the, legit, in the surf zone, was Grace Harbor, I think. Yeah, uh, fishing boat, ro- you know, got rolled outside the surf zone and then they, and they ended up in the surf zone. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's a, a T-Corps student I had, right? Sitting in the right seat. I mean, it's, uh, you know, super awesome to- wow. Uh, being ATC guy flying with them mm-hmm. when they, you know, can barely fly the aircraft and see that where they've gotten uh, is, is the most rewarding thing for me. I'd much rather see that than be the one sitting in that right seat. So, yeah, but it just screams why we need a horse, why everybody needs to get a horse. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, have any of you guys had a case where you've employed what you've learned here at Ahars, or have you heard of somebody having a case that they've used this? I mean, you know, uh, one of my students uh, from a couple of years ago at Ahars uh, just hoisted, I mean, he, brand new flight mech, brand new race swimmer out of Kodiak, uh, fishing vessel, ice over, went down in 30-foot seas, and um, there's no doubt that that crew, you know, employed those techniques for sure. And, and, and you, you hear those stories all the time, you know, and even I talked to the swimmer today that was on that case and uh, here in Astoria. Mm-hmm. And he's like, man, what I learned in ARS was critical to what I did yesterday. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that screams like why this course has to keep going on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, what was it, the last session we were out here? So just over a year ago, um, was it North Penn or PA? They had a clip case. Yeah, where the the girl jumped into the swimmer and the physical grip there. Yeah. Um, and then uh, while I was in Cape Cod, we had a big case up in uh, Acadia. Um, guy fell down a cliff and, uh, you know, obviously used the vertical surface procedures, you know, mm-hmm. cliff hoisting and, and, uh, they, uh, the swimmer had to make the, make the choice, uh, based on where the guy was at and his condition, you know, obviously they had to use a rescue litter. Um, he had to make the decision to play in the gray and disconnect from the hook Yeah. after a cliff hoist and did an assisted belay, stuff like that, stuff that we learn through the ropes course mm-hmm. that this course has justified us putting as a requirement in the swimmer manual you know yeah um, so it's it it spreads way past the the five days that we're here you know doing our thing so yeah i've, I've, I've definitely had co- cases where i wish i had been ar prior to have you in, in, yeah tackling those right so i mean uh when i was in east city we went two 250 miles offshore there's like a sailboat regatta going to bermuda and they got caught in a storm and there's five e-perps going off at once oh boy <laughs> They launched a hurricane in front of us and they kind of prioritized like who is the most critical person out here. And there's a boat that was certainly going down. So that's where they kind of sent us. And we got on scene and it was like, you know, we cannot do this. You know, and it's a tough thing as a Coast Guard air crew to say, I cannot do this. And uh, fortunately, there's a Navy ship within like 50 miles that we were. And the funny thing is the Navy was like, yeah, we're going to we're going to do this rescue. Really? Like We got it. We're going to launch our boat. We're going to do this rescue. And uh, we ended up landing on them to, to get a sip of gas. And, uh, and the, you know, my the pilot I was flying with got out and went and talked to them. And he was like, man, this is what you guys do. We're not messing with this. We're not launching our boat in these conditions. And, <laughs> you know, having having more fuel on the aircraft, we felt more comfortable and ended up pulling four people off the sailboat. But uh, 
it was a tough night. I mean, we were putting these guys on the water, right? Hoisting this boat in 15 foot seas. And uh, I wish I'd been to Ahars prior to doing a mission like that. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody on the crew, you said, was. Yeah. Our A-Hars. swimmer had been to Ahars. Yeah. But um, that conversation didn't really happen. Yeah. You know? I think that's the. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, I wish that we, everybody could come to this course, but having at least some people go to this course, your unit would hopefully have someone, right? And that can bring that training to the rest of the, the wardroom or the hangar deck and then, you know, bring new training programs, surf, vert surface, that yeah, kind I of mean, stuff And out we there. preach that every class to these students, like take what you've learned this week and go back to your unit and, and give training. Yeah. And give training. I just don't know how often, I don't think it happens as often as we would like to see. Well, yeah. and, and that's the problem with these, a lot of these units that have these robust training programs. Yeah. You know, like we also, you know, we throw the other hat on and we go out for these stand evaluations and we ask them about their training programs and say, oh, we got this training and we got that training and we got the other training. And we're like, well, okay, well, when's the last time you did it? It's like, oh, it was like six months ago. Or two years ago. So, yeah, two years is more than yeah. a long so, yeah. the, so the, you know, and so the, the, the guys going back and giving the training falls in the same rung in that, you know, they have so much other stuff that they consider priority mm-hmm. over these robust training programs and those hangar deck trainings. I mean, I, I can't and I could never fathom why it was so difficult to get an hour a Wednesday to do air crew training with pilots. Yeah. Like, I, I, I can't fathom that. I, I just never understood it. I still don't understand it today. Like stuff is not that crazy that you can't sit down and talk real world search and rescue, flying, hoisting, and, and really disseminate all of this stuff because the, the problem is, you know, what's going to happen would, we had a case out in Kodiak where a swimmer was the only Ahars guy and it was a night vert surface hoist. Mm-hmm. How often does that happen? Rare. Yeah. He talks through the entire crew in the plane during the hoist brief how to do it when an hour on a Wednesday and maybe, you know, they could have gone a little smoother. A little you know, they knocked it out. They knocked it out. You yeah. know, a guy was taking a pee, fell off a cliff, blah, 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 blah. They saved him. The rest is history, but... Um, I think that's interesting you saying that too, because, you know, all of you've heard our skipper and, and the uh, 65 division chief commander Sanborn says it all the time, safe, aggressive training saves lives, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, this is aggressive training. It's high risk training, but we make it as safe as we possibly can. We do it safely. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. What about, uh, from a flight mech perspective, because you teach, uh, in the heavy surf chief, and then you go on the cliff is there a big difference between the techniques that you teach uh, mechs on uh, either scenario? Yeah, I think for us, when when the flight mech is anticipating waves and using the wave energy to affect the the recovery, like you know they got it, mm-hmm. right? So like the first surf day, they're a mess. You know, you're, if the waves are coming off the nose, you're telling them to just to, to move into position, let the wave energy bring them plumb and then pick them up. Right. And, and, and it's a mess, you know, but by the second surf day, they got it, you know, that's when, you know, it's all clicking together. Mm-hmm. Um, and we teach to con aggressively. If the pilot's willing to fly aggressively, let's con, let's take advantage of that. And let's con aggressively. Yeah. But over the, the cliff it's precision hoisting, right? So you kind of switch mindsets to where it's all about slow, methodical, precision hoisting and it's it's sometimes the students struggle with that because they're amped they're where you know at 150 feet you can barely see the survivor and the swimmer you know and uh and their heart's racing and we're trying to get them to just relax and calm down where mm-hmm. the day before they were in the goo in the stuff right yeah. just like flying the plane aggressively and um so for us it's just all about switching gears you know and and uh we do that second vert day and we put the dummy in a more challenging position. The swimmers do or RSIs do. Mm-hmm. And it's super cool to see when the flight mech is just getting it right. They, they understand it, you know, and I think some students, they have a hard time with that second vert day. They think they don't need that. But from an instructor perspective, when you saw their first vert day compared to their second vert day, they needed that second. Vert yeah. Day, right? It's a big difference. Yeah. And then it's important that we as instructors, uh, we, we show them and, and make sure they understand that those vert surface, the precision hoisting, those techniques, 
can be used in so many other areas, right? Even just a boat hoist, uh, like a challenging boat hoist. You have to use those, those precision hoisting techniques, mm-hmm. uh, urban environment, right? We are the like second slide in the vert lecture is what a vert surface rescue could be, right? It could be a tower. It could be a glacier. It can be a building. It could be a lot of things. Um, so it's just important for this, for us to make sure the students understand that you're going to use those techniques yeah. in a lot of different areas, not just on a cliff. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, got any advice for, for any of you guys, for people who are awaiting orders or they've got orders to come out here, um, you know, before they get to the course, how to prep or talk to people, talk to people who yeah. have been, there's yeah, guys exactly. at your units that have been, yeah, people have been, man, they hit them up. Yeah. I have no idea what, yeah. And I'll tell you what, like it's, it's all right to have a little bit of, you know, hair standing up on the back of your neck, no matter how long you've been in, because, you know, obviously we can't control the weather. So like the swell, the seas, this, that, and the other thing. But when it comes to the cliff, you know, speaking to those guys who don't think they need that second vert day, we can always make it harder, Mm. you know, and and we we are going to challenge you. Um, Whether, whether it's dummy placement or whether it's you guys, in a different orientation for the aircraft, you mm-hmm. know, um, let them have them go cross cockpit, whatever. Um, so, uh, I, I would definitely say be excited. Yeah. You're going to learn a lot. Yep. Uh, you're going to experience stuff that you never would have thought you would experience being stationed at station Detroit mm-hmm. and, uh, come in with your humble pants on because you're going to be humbled. Yeah. Iron sharpens iron, right? Like we teach them, I say it all the time, we teach the students what we know, but they also teach us stuff too, right? And one of the great things about our position is that we get to teach what we learn to other students. So that doesn't mean you can come here and be cocky and and not put your humble pants on. Like Chad said, you got to be a sponge. The things we're teaching you are proven techniques. You know, we the stuff's been developed since 1790, right? Like we've been doing this stuff for a long time and the students, sometimes they, they forget that what we're teaching them is a, uh, an advanced technique, right? It's not just, um, basic stuff. So I would say come here ready to learn, T- give us information, right? We're going to learn from you too, but be a sponge. Like Chad said, absorb our techniques. What do you think, sir? Yeah. So, I mean, this is a uh, exposure course. We're trying to expose you to as much as possible. And so we're trying to grow, grow ARs right now. Mm-hmm. And um, because the mission that we fly as air crews is growing, oh, we're seeing a lot more of that. And uh, it's an outside the box course, you know. Uh, the, the fundamentals of being a flight mechanic, a pilot, a rescue swimmer are, are there, right? So we're just trying to show you, you know your fundamentals. How do you apply that in, a, in an extraordinary environment? And that's what AHARS offers. It's, what you see is... Uh, um, it's intense uh, for us as instructors who have been doing this for a while. Like it's, it can be, you know, we take these guys in these crazy situations, right? Breaking surf and it, most hoists are pretty benign for us. There are definitely moments, even as in, in the instructor position of intensity. Ooh, yeah. uh, generally when I'm flying with chief Walker, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> most, likely, some, we've, most likely, most likely yeah, 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 I mean, we've, we've yeah. had some, we've had some intense moments. I was yeah, obviously sitting with him when we had that, Hoist failure, runway hoist on the cliff. That was pretty intense. Um, Cable wrapping around the co-pilot or the aircraft commander step. Yeah. 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 How'd, um, you, how'd you deal with that one? Um, I was very close to the shear switch. Were you? Most of <laughs> holding uh, holding <laughs> the shear switch the whole time. But I had my man in the back, dude. I, I trust that guy in my life. And uh, he was all over it. So swimmers had no idea ever that we were in any kind of extremis. And, and I think that's an angle he touches on that this course provides, you know, we, we talk all the time about how, you know, when the Coast Guard responds to these storms, it's always crews from different corners of the United States getting together in one plane, never seen each other before. And they go out and they prosecute the mission. Mm -hmm. Well, now we're stepping, we're, we're raising that bar and still asking people who may not know each other from Adam to get in that plane and get it done, even though it's for training. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it, this, you know, the course, even it takes crew resource management that much further and, and it requires that you trust no matter who's in the right seat, left seat on the pendant or on the hook, like 
you're all looking out for each other. Yeah. And you don't know each other. That's a great point. And um, so it's all around. I mean, we've had freaking Canada asked to come down for this course. Yeah. Everybody wants to come to this course. I don't don't want to sound. I mean, I want to stay. I don't want to sound overconfident, but like when, when you have those things happening, you know, Canadians we've had down, we, we religiously bring in the Navy and Air Force PJs. Like we're doing something right and it's got to continue and it's got to grow. Yeah. So since you're talking about growth, um, Chief, where do you want to see this course go to? What, what's your vision? So I, I think that AHARS needs to be divided into two different trainings, right? There's a AHARS water course and there's an AHARS land or inland. I don't know what the title is, but it's obvious based off of student feedback, our experience that we could, we could squeeze five solid water days into a course, right? And there would be great benefit for them. Because right now we're, as you know, the schedule is so tight. We're trying to cram so much into five days. Mm-hmm. There's often times where the students have a very short period of time where they got to leave class and get to the, the ramp time. Because um, we're trying to cram at least two water days, at least two vert days, and now in an urban SAR day into five days. And there's no room for for a weather delay or a weather cancellation or an aircraft malfunction. There is no room for that. And which we get often, right? We do. Right. And I hate it when the students look at you like they feel like they've been robbed. Yeah. You know, if the seas aren't just booming that week, Mm -hmm. uh, it's disheartening seeing the students. They, they want they especially for the flight max and pilots, they get one shot to be here. And then if they feel like they got robbed, man, that sucks as an instructor to see that. The, the swimmers get to come back routinely, you know? Mm-hmm. And and it's almost like a failure, right? I mean, I sit back as a, as a swimmer and, uh, you know, if we have a flight mech with a critique on a Friday that says, you know, I'm still uncomfortable in any area whatsoever, like, I take that as a failure. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we want everybody to leave here and, you know, I, I describe, you know, for a swimmer, I want them to leave here with the thought that they have an ice cubes chance in hell against the ocean. Yeah. Like even that little bit, like they know they're not going to win. Yeah. They're going to give everything they've got knowing what they know and what they've taken from the school mm-hmm. to prosecute that case. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, even our smallest week, right? ARs. Yeah. Last week was a small week, yep. right? We had a very a varsity crew, super like veteran. Swim, yeah, the swimmers were. You're talking three and four tour. So motivated, right? It was it was awesome, and um, I I do love I do I don't hate those weeks, right? I don't hate those small weeks because it dials down the intensity and lets crews really focus on what they're doing. We're still taking crews into training environments that they're ne- they're not seeing at home, and uh, so. No matter what week you get at AHARS, whether it's this week that we're about to attack, where we're looking at twenty footers for the first half of the week, it's going to be it's going to be gnarly mm-hmm. for sure. Um, as an instructor, when I look at a week like that, you know I'm taking these guys who've never seen anything like that. The intensity is going to be through the roof, and you and you know that's like anything that we do as instructors, right? So we, we're always trying to uh, dial that intensity to the right place. And where does that learning happen? You know, when guys are just getting worked beyond their, what they think, and everybody's capable to come to AHARS and operate here. Mm-hmm. Every Coast Guard air crew is ready to come to AHARS and do this. If you're qualified in that position, like we have no doubt in what your abilities. And we're just going to give you tools, right? That's what this is a cool school of like exposure and outside the box thinking. But uh, I, I do, I don't hate those small weeks. I can yeah. get a lot more out of my yeah. students that <laughs> yeah. week no, because they're still, they're still seeing what we're trying to teach in a very controlled environment. Yeah, uh, the, Our students this week are going to see some... There's going to be some deer in the headlights. You know, here's the deal, right? So if you were to go hoist in the conditions that we're going to take students to hoist in this week... There's going to be a big deal. Like you're going to get gonna, an air medal. You're going to get an air medal. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and you know, it's the discussion we had earlier with regards to the surf swim. You know, if we were to walk those guys to the berm and tell them you got to make it past the break tomorrow, 
what learning opportunity is there there for the two junior guys when the surf is 12 foot mm -hmm. and when it's smashing and you've got two sandbars, they got to make it fast. You know, those two, those two brand new thirds aren't going to absorb anything except for hold my breath terror. And I hope this doesn't hurt. <laughs> survival. You know what survival. I mean? I, yeah. So, so he, he makes a good point. You know, um, we we try so hard to find that happy medium to where it's not physical sensory overload. Yeah. And nothing's being absorbed yeah. knowledge wise. You so know? Never knock your week of ARs. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's oh, never yeah. a bad week of ARs. I think right? this, this week is a perfect example of why ARs needs to be longer is we have Monday and Tuesday. The seas are massive, but the winds are also massive. And then you have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday where the seas slow down, but the winds are lower, right? So we got to, if we're trying to squeeze two surf days, a couple vert days and an urban day, we got to chase the conditions, but we can't, we can't, if the seas are too big on Monday, we can't just fall back on a vert day because the winds are too strong, right? Yep. So if, if, again, if I had it my way, we would do that week of, of, of water work where we have the ability, we have flexibility because just because the seas are spilling out of our limits, you know, we can put them in rollers. Yeah, right. We, we can, we, we got up to 20 foot rollers. And so. that's where most crews are operating, right? They're not seeing all this no. white water that we're right. putting them in. Right. And, and the, we're fortunate here at Columbia River, we can show them five different water perspectives. Yeah. Right. In one place, whether it's Fort Stevens, Peacock, Benson, we can go hoist on the Columbia River and I can show you how during a vector you'll flow 0.84 miles by the time the aircraft, you know, yeah, does their vector sure. and you call right. them in, right? Yeah. With that current. So um, we're fortunate enough to where five days of water work is easily doable. So would you do like a two week, you're talking like a two week 100%. course. I would either do two straight weeks where you do a week of water work and then you do a week of inland stuff or it's two, it's broken into two courses. Do it by season. Yeah. Two courses. You do your water work in the spring and the fall, like we do now. Um, I, I say spring, it's typically the end of January. Uh, to March, right? Mm -hmm. We say spring, but it's not really spring. And then fall, which is typically like Halloween-ish to the last weekend. Yeah, yeah, Thanksgiving-ish, right? Yeah, the Dark South Festival. Yeah, 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 yeah but the Dark South Festival. Yeah, but what we don't do is 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 the inland stuff in the summer. Yeah. You know, we could do all the vert surface stuff, all the urban SAR stuff. We could do cow landings. Well, we could take the mountain stuff, right? Yeah, so hats, hats. hats is such a small piece of the puzzle. And I, there's such a great way. I mean, even in our power management course, that is an air crew course, right? It used to be super piloty, but the way that course has gone, right? So it is all about the air crew. Pilots know the pilot stuff. We don't need to reteach them and, and and take them to a level below where they're at, right? Mm -hmm. I need these guys backing me up because we all know how it is in that scenario. Like when you get in that situation where you want to do work, you want to do your job, and you're just throwing caution to the wind, it is so good to have guys that are educated in the back of the airplane to speak up. Mm -hmm. and, that, and, and that speaks to that total crew concept. That total crew concept for our air crew that comes to this course, and that happens every single day for instructors. Mm -hmm. I mean, a couple hours ago, all of us were sitting, meeting, attacking this week. Like yep. everything that we do is not a singular decision. It is a total crew concept decision. Like I cannot make a decision from the rescue swimmer perspective without Chad's input and his guy's input. I cannot make any of these decisions. Well, ultimately, Right now, Chief Walker cannot make these decisions without all of our input. Mm -hmm. And um, so what we teach and we preach here in this course happens every single day organically amongst us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, And, and it allows us the flexibility as a group that you would want a flight crew to be able to use in any given scenario. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, it, it, having been uh, fortunate to teach this course for four years and I'm, you know, Am I stoked to get a fifth year in Mobile? I don't know. But <laughs> the fact that I can come out here for a fifth year is uh, it, like, this is the best job in the Coast Guard. Yeah. From absolutely. an air cruiser, especially when you've been doing this for a while, right? Like we've had our SAR, we've done that. I got that notch in the belt, like to teach crews. Cause when you see crews, like speaking back to what Astoria did yesterday, mm -hmm. to have a piece of that puzzle, to have a piece of that rescue swimmer that did that case in the surf, to have a piece of that pilot that did that case in the surf, that's what it's all about for us sitting in this room. Yep. And uh, it, I mean, that, that is 
that is as good as it gets for us. So, um, and uh, how we own this course together and why th- there's never been a better time if it, to come to AHARS than right now mm-hmm. because the people we have and how we share these decisions as a team, the team concept at AHARS has never been better from my, in Absolutely. the four years I've been here. Yeah. I mean, that, that just leads me into my next question because you, you already kind of touched on it with, uh, you know, that swimmer and that pilot in like employing those techniques. But when you see somebody walk out the door on Friday at the end of a week's session, what do you hope that they take away with them from this course? You know, everybody always says like one good nugget, mm-hmm. right? No. I hope they go home with multiple good yeah. nuggets from every single lecture. And he touched on it with the power management. Um, I'm, I, I take a lot of pride in that basic air crew designation. Um, I've always looked at it from the angle of the more I can do in that seat, the more you two, the, the less you two up front have to do in a dark and stormy when there's a blizzard. Uh, whether it's talking on the radios, firing up the DF, um, you know, trying to chase down a 406, working with sector on positions and search patterns, being able to input that stuff in the CDU. The more I can do in the back, the less you guys have to do up front. You guys can just focus on getting me there and getting my flight mech there so that we can prosecute that case. Mm-hmm. The, the twist on that too is the more I do in the back and the more you trust me to do in the back, the more trust you're going to put in my opinion with regards to how we're going to prosecute that case. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a constant expressway going both directions. You That's know? a and, fantastic point. And um, uh, the more trust, like we said, CRM, that's what it's based on, right? It's mm-hmm. the foundation. You know, nobody's going to speak up if they're not trusted. Yeah. And nobody's going to take what you say if they don't trust you. So um, that, that, that constant feedback loop, um, it, it presents itself physically and, and visually, you know, with, with what I'm doing in the back of the BA. So that power management lecture, I, I love that thing. Mm-hmm. I would love to teach it. And we're seeing it more and more commonly put in the critiques by flight mechanic and, and swimmer uh, trainees in the course yeah. saying, Hey, I learned a lot during that power management thing. I did not know about. Yeah. Usually I'm just sitting in the back, nodding my head. Yeah. That's long a good point. Long you, hey, Here's the deal. You and I are going to teach that this week together. That's, that, I mean, that's, oh, a, no, that's a no brain. Let's roll. Right? Go, Let's roll. What about you chief? What do you hope that people take away at the, after Friday's graduation? I, I think it's all about feedback and humility. I'm a huge feedback nerd. I think we all are, especially AHARS instructors. We say it all the time. It's, you get fire hose of feedback or feedback via fire hose, right? Yep. Uh, yep. It doesn't matter out here if you're a pilot, flight mech, a chief, an 04, an AST chief, AST dinosaur, AST one, you are getting a fire hose of feedback the entire time just because we want to be better, right? It's it's nonstop feedback and, and the students experience, experience it. You know, a lot of these guys that come out here are on the EFEB or a pilot FEB and we kind of, you know, they're, they're getting blasted with feedback and it, I think it's just knock, it knocks us all down a peg. And mm-hmm. I think it's the, one of the most beneficial things that I think that the students graduate with is just some humility, like Chad said earlier. Uh, it, it's wanting to relearn, right? Thinking you, you come here, you think you got it down and then you go on the cliff and these fully qualified vertical surface flight max pilot swimmers get extremely humbled. So I think what that does is it makes them go home and want to like reset, right? Mm-hmm. Let me, I need to take this a little bit more seriously. I got my, you know, my stuff handed to me on the cliff, even though I'm qualified or in the surf, man, we do, we, we got a surf program back home. The, the one or two units that have it, man, dude, I really learned a lot, man. And I, that's what I think is the biggest benefit is just night that fire. Again. Yeah, dude. It yeah. just, it yeah. makes them like want to learn again instead of just teach, Yeah, you know, or even like some of the more cocky young guys that come just showing them that you still have room to grow yeah. because we, dude, you, I'm probably the most senior flight mech in the 60 world, I would imagine. And man, I have learned so much in the last couple of weeks out here. Yeah. Techniques that I have never even heard of, man. Yep. Yeah, we're all, I mean, the learning that happens from the instructor perspective is, is intense, right? It is, man. Yeah. 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 What about you, PJ? People leaving this course? Yeah, I mean, 
I love how people lead this course with that shared aircrew mental model. That's what we strive for here. Yeah, at the end of the day, we want to get you in the biggest surf we can get you in. We want to get you in the toughest scenario you can get in a cliff. And you're now rolling in this urban star piece. We want to show you stuff that you might encounter, right? That would be completely outside the box from what you would think that you would encounter. That's our goal, right? Mm -hmm. We're not going to try to dumb down the training. We want to make it as intense as possible. And um, just understanding like what everybody is dealing with. And I think we are, we are knocking that out of the park. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, from an instructor perspective, like that's what we are proudest of. Every week is different in A-Harsh. Um, our goal is the same. We want people to walk out of here. People, I want people to know what I'm dealing with up front. I want to know what my rescue swimmer is dealing with. I want to know what my flight mechanics dealing with. And they want, I want them to know what I'm dealing with. And um, just to, to, because that patience and that understanding of those crew positions is critical. Makes uh, you better, right? Yeah, for sure, man. The stuff that we deal with as Coast Guard Air Crews, every single day, you see what Coast Guard Air Crews are doing. Mm-hmm. And it speaks wildly to what we teach here. Uh, this crew, this course has to grow. We, it, 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 there's like, there, there's no, this course is, is as good as it gets. However, it's going to get better. We're, we're striving for that right now. It's happening right now. Like the change that we've made right now in this environment with everything that we're dealing with, the fact that ARS is happening, we're sitting right here in a story right now speaks wildly to the leadership of Chris Walker I mean, mostly him. No way. But, yeah, um, for sure. I mean, Chad. Like, we we would not be doing. We would not have a plan that we have in place right now without Chad, right? Like his the the way he's buying, like the buying that we get from these guys, and the way we're sharing these decisions is is unreal. And uh, I could not be prouder to be an ARS instructor than I am sitting right here. That's awesome. Yeah. It, uh, I mean, I, I can echo the same point. Just being here. This is my second time teaching, and. Every week I'm humbled by the conditions we train in and I'm humbled by how much the students learn at the end of the week and they, and they take away. Um, so pivoting just a little bit since we did mention Urban SAR and you guys want to give our listeners a little uh, insight into what we're, what we're teaching for Urban SAR right now? Yeah, I mean, that's a two years in the making, right? So uh, Central Columbia River has got a great training opportunity at Camp Riley. It's three miles from the air station. It's... Um, yeah, they've got a uh, Army National Guard base with a uh, it's called a mount site. Uh, basically, just an urban site, mm-hmm. and uh, they also have what's called a rubble pile. But uh, we're not there yet. But we're what we're doing there. right now is in Sika just had a case last week with a person getting mauled by a bear, like a, a tree canopy hoist. Not as tight as we're doing, but that opportunity is there for any unit in the Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've been in the Coast Guard in aviation for any length of time, you've gotten a weird call that is outside of what you normally do. Asking you to go somewhere you don't normally operate, and for us, that is without water underneath us to go do a mission that nobody else is willing to do. And so we're trying to create that opportunity and expose air crews to that. And uh, and so, you know, the tree canopy always, it's super cool, super fun. We're just popping a swimmer through the trees, popping them back up, a super tight hoist, precision hoisting. It builds on what we teach on vert surface day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're doing a, you know, urban scenario where, and there's multiple stories from Harvey and Katrina and all these storms that, you know, we've responded to in the past where you've got survivors on the side of a building, basically, like a hanging out a window that where there's no roof access where you can't Joel Sayers your way through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's you. That's, I, a, verb. I, that's I, a verb. I filmed that. It's in the Webster <laughs> dictionary. <laughs> yeah. Way, hey, Joel, love you, man. Joel yeah, I, well, I love him too. In. I had some insane star cases with him when I was in Kodiak, and I love him to death. But you know, we don't want to make the last day of Ahars easier than the last day, right? So mm-hmm. that's what we're doing. And uh, I got, I had the opportunity to fly that with Central Columbia River a couple of years ago. Uh, basically, doing a window extraction of a survivor. Man, this is completely outside the box and that's what we focus and preach here so uh we're incorporating that now into our training because there is a crew in the next year or two years that was going to find themselves in that scenario 100%. and there's an air there's a person on the aircraft that has been exposed to that 
that's a win for Ahars. Yeah. And it's going to happen. So it's a win that's, for Coast Guard Aviation. Yeah, for sure. So that's what we are trying to, you know, build in this program right now. That's awesome. Hey, do you want to talk about how the sixty and sixty five are operating in the same area at the same time? Yeah. So I mean we have this beautiful dance between the aircraft. It's super fun to watch. Oh, Whether you're sitting in the airplane or sitting on the ground, like you know, watching one, it from the roof. Yeah, one plane's in the at. trees, one plane's in the window, and we just do this dance, you know, like and uh and like you talk about a lot, Sam, like that's like, that's, that's the way it is, right? In that urban environment, there's aircraft it's, around. So it's, it's, it's perfectly modeled off of what we've experienced, right? Mm-hmm. As a service. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Harvey, Katrina, you, you see the photos, you've flown in it. When, when you can look out over the horizon and you see three dozen aircraft within a five mile radius, like that's what we're putting them through with two aircraft in, in that small tight area doing those exact operations. Yeah. Um, and it's like, like you said, it's been, it's become more prevalent. You know, we are for that first five to seven days after a disaster like that, it's us. Now, granted, once the national guard comes in they get their ground operations set up and all that, maybe that's not the place for us anymore. But it's the place um, to teach those guys. But it's the place to teach those guys. And it grows a horse. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to happen again, right? And, Absolutely. Uh, this past week, I know we didn't get a chance to do it, but to see the excitement of everybody in the classroom to do that urban SAR hoisting. 100%. The most ex- excited people that week were our three peat rescue swimmers. They're like, all I was excited about this week. I mean, they loved you know yeah. everything, but they were super pumped on that. And that that's, I mean, that resonated with us as instructors, right? Because we didn't know how that would re- be received from we had a feeling, right? Like, hey, let's, you know, it's, it's traditionally a four-day flight course with a day of survival day. Everybody wants to get back in there. Everybody wants to get soaking wet and on that last day and Put your dry freeze suit back and in then your... pack all your cold gear up. <laughs> oh, yep. But yeah. we have Dave aircraft Burns. to fly and an opportunity to train. Like, let's let's strap that aircraft on and go flying. Yeah. And um, again, we're not qualifying anybody in anything. You leave here with an harsh. Yep. Qual, but th- you're not leaving here with a, you're not coming out of here vert service qualified. We're not signing off syllabi here, but we're exposing people to every single thing that we can find feasible. And, you know, the short term goal, as I see it, you know, we talk about goals for AHARS. Like next year, I'm confident we can make AHARS a six day course, mm-hmm. right? I think that is very achievable. Yeah. From an instructor perspective, we're here for six weeks per session. So a Saturday doing nothing. Or drinking a Bloody Mary at Mary Times, which we can't do right now. Um, let's go fly and train these crews yeah. another day. Let's create that opportunity. If we get them in the water a third day and two days of vert and a day of urban, that's a perfect week that's for money. us. Right? That's a perfect week for us. But if we can expose these crews that come through here to every single facet that we're attacking, that's also a win for us. Absolutely. So... Um, I'd like to end all of our podcast recordings with pretty much the same question to to the people who are on. So Chad, we'll start with you. Uh, what piece of advice have you received over the years that has proven the most valuable to you as a rescue swimmer or as a Coast Guard aviator? I, I think it's, it's the same, you know, I, I've learned the same thing in my 19 and change years in the military as, as my dad preached growing up. And that was just be true to yourself, you know, um, I'm, and for military members, they'll get this, you know, we have a ranking structure and a lot of times professional, professional power overrides a lot of more common sense and, uh, possibly better decisions made. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, sometimes you just gotta be that woodpecker man and, and really make people see maybe an angle that they don't see. Yeah. Uh, to make the right decision. And, and that covers everything, whether it's in a shop, an office, in an aircraft, in the water, with a survivor, it doesn't matter, you know. Um, I like that. And don't back down on it, mm-hmm. you know. So Stick to your guns. Don't concede. Yeah. Dude, that was intense, bro. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What about you, Hefe? I, I think it's trust. Like we, we got to trust in each other. We got to trust in our training. Yeah. You know, because we, we, we come here, we all know our standard, you know, techniques and procedures, but all we're doing is we're honing those and adding this extra bag of techniques onto your already established procedures, mm-hmm. but we have to trust in each other, right? 
it's it's important that I trust that Chad's going to to make the right decision down there and give me the right signal and maybe come up with the right plan, the most the best plan for a case, uh, and then trust that the pilot's going to fly, you know, where I ask him to fly, where I con him to. Trust that he's going to get me home safe to my wife and son. Yeah, uh, it's it, it's all about trust, and mm-hmm. it's it's intense out here because it's extremely dynamic, and we ma- we do make mistakes, but at the end of the day, we have to still trust. I th- yeah, I think trust, that's trust each other. Trust, man. Yeah, yeah and I mean for us, trust. for us, like we, as long as 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 long as we're attached to the helicopter, and like I said before, like we're never going to beat the ocean. We probably have the least amount of control mm-hmm. regardless of what's going yeah, on. Yeah, for so sure. Totally speaks to you. Got to trust what she's talking, man. You know. About you, PJ. Yeah. So uh, the, you know, anytime you achieve a designation in the aircraft, it feels like a good time to take a break. Uh, any designation you receive as an air crewman or a pilot, that's a license to learn. You, the learning is just beginning. Um, and you know, upon that, for a harsh or anything else that you do, I remember you know growing up, there was a. A guy who was a chief, made senior chief, he's now retired, Dave Tobias, and he always said that, you know, like if you can't receive criticism in this business, you got no business being in it, right? And that's the truth, right? So that's what we, if, if, and I get, listen, Chad, my swimmer over here, like he will give me the business in a heartbeat and I love it. I receive it. Um, Chief Walker and I, I don't even know if I want to go down that road. Well, I, mean, you guys, I mean, you guys just had a lovely Valentine's uh, dinner. We together. just had Valentine's dinner together. It was, it was great. Yeah. I mean, uh, he and I have, uh, we've been to AHARS from start to finish as instructors. And um, the feedback that he gives me, I value more than anything else in the world, right? Um, and that happened, should happen in every crew position. You should just be humble, right? That is the most important part of our job, it's just humility. Um, and I, I don't think that we struggle with it. And if you do struggle with it, you need to check yourself because this is an unforgiving profession that we, this is an unforgiving course at times. And uh, if a swimmer gets it back in the airplane and and gives you the business, take that business. If your flight mech gives you the business, take that business. If your pilot gives you the business, eh, maybe take that business. Sometimes you you redirect it back up uh, front. (laughs) The beautiful thing about being an AHRS instructor for me is I get to spend a lot of time in the back of the aircraft Mm -hmm. that I never got to spend uh, as a line pilot. And seeing what these guys deal with is uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, I've actually had the opportunity to hoist in the door, which is, you know, speaking to any person that's listening to this, if you can ever get in the back with an FMI and just do the most benign hoist of your life, it's going to open so many doors to you of what's happening up front. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I was there. You you got some work to do though. <laughs> no, I mean, you you routed a letter for me. Just never got signed, right? I was I was done. Like that's the best hoisting you've ever seen. You were crying. And all three of you guys are cave qualified now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah dude. Yeah. Yeah. We've yeah. all been Sam in the cave. Sam and I got some wet rock, yeah. Yeah, wet rock boardings uh, on your uh, Chris Walker is thirty-two. Wet, wet I think it's boarding. sixty-two. It, yeah, it no, it's thirty-two. I, I thought and, it was sixty-two. Uh, so I did forty-six. Just to, just oh, to, so snap. it's an unachievable goal for him. But yeah, yeah Sam and I got to swim the cave. And uh, that was also humbling. Yeah. And we went in there. I would, would, was a benign day, right, Chad? Uh, it, semi, it semi benign. It, it picked, picked up. up. Yeah, yeah. Usually, I mean, usually the best cave day, um, we as instructors chalk up to the day where we're questioning. Eh, maybe we shouldn't be in here, but it's not like, oh crap, we shouldn't be in here. Sure. Mm-hmm. So you guys were probably just below that toward the end. There. Yeah, I mean, it was picking up. So, you know, there's rank in this profession, but in the aircraft, we've got to be careful about that. Yeah. Uh, I think from a pilot perspective, you just really need to understand that. Like you can be a brand new aircraft commander and flying with these Chris and, and Chad in the back. You got to value that experience. That's way more than what you're sitting with up front. Right. Yeah. Like, and you're going to find yourself in that scenario. And I had, I was at, at a unit where my um, command kind of put a number on all of us based off of our experience. And uh, if that total number didn't, it, they, they looked at the flight schedule that religiously every day of who was standing duty. Mm-hmm. And if that number didn't meet what they wanted, mm-hmm. they would make a change. Wow. It was intense. I mean, maybe it seems insulting to people, and it, but it was usually in the back. Like if it was two junior pilots, they want those guys to get that experience. Mm-hmm. But I had a case where that came to fruition, where I was a brand new AC 
with a new co-pilot and we were going to deal with a severe weather system and I had a junior crew in the back and the command's like, this is not the number we need on this day. And uh, they changed the dynamic in the back. And no, and, and no doubt the, the whoopee went off. Yeah. And we had an intense SAR case. And if I did not have the flight mech in the back that I had that day and you know that swimmer who were not afraid to give me the business, like I don't know how that case would have gone. Yeah. Would have been changed. And I think that's a, that's another thing we do out here, following that model. You know, there shouldn't be any rank in the aircraft, and that's why we as instructors out here don't wear rank. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that professional power, that professional courtesy that is, you know, inadvertently offered, um, our ability to, to shed the rank out here, I think, lets, lets the students uh, be a little bit more comfortable talking and taking feedback and, and sometimes taking the hard and fast, you know, yeah, when we have to give it. Well, gentlemen, I've had a great time talking to the three of you. Uh, any other parting shots for our listeners out here? Before if you we had a great up? time, why are we done? <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a very valid point. I mean, I like that. We I, never made fun of 65. I feel like wants. your, your yeah. audience is mostly 65 folks right now. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to, all, all of us will probably get the business for being here. But oh, dude, we're toast. I, uh, you know... <laughs> being an AR sky for a couple of years, the respect I have for you, Sam, and what you guys do in that aircraft. And, and also like my time at Kodiak flying with the guys and see what they dealt with in that aircraft. Now, Pat, like my hat's off to what you guys do for yeah. sure. Well, yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, listeners, this is a great chat for, uh, for all of us here talking AHARs with these three experienced instructors and hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you again next episode.